0: Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. I'm actually going to read a verse first and then John or Dom or whatever, we're going to go ahead and go straight to that little thing I wrote. But I want to read Hebrews 2 verse 14 and 15 in the Amplified Bible first. Hebrews 2, I don't know if you guys can get it or what. Hebrews 2 verses 14 and 15. Since, therefore, these his children, Jesus, his children, share in flesh and blood, that's us. Since we share in the physical nature of human beings, he himself, in a similar manner, partook of the same nature. Why? That by going through death, I love the Amplified here, he might bring to naught, And you know what the word not means? It means reduced to zero. He might bring to naughts that by going through death, he might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Now, do we believe that or not? That's one of these things you have to make a decision about. And then verse 15 says this. And also he did this, that he might deliver And basically, or maybe just a little bit set free, of course, no, it says that he might completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the entire course of their lives. Uh, Again, I've said it before, but psychologists will tell you that all fear known to man has at the root of fear, the root fear of death. And I just want to remind us again as we look at something here what Jesus said here. I mean what the word of God says, Jesus Christ came and annulled death. I mean think of that the the, the strength of that statement. Death has no more effect. Those of us who have met Christ, you've really got to hear. It. I mean, it's easy to teach, it's sometimes it's, a, it's we need to read but yeah, but glory to God, he's so patient with this. You finally come to that place where you actually, something happens in your spirit, your heart, and you actually realize this is true. I have eternal life now. I've already made it. My ticket is punched, as it were. I have eternal life now. He annulled death. Death has no more power over me. I said, death has no more power over me. But the reason he said he did this is because he wanted also to set us free from the fear of death. And this is something people struggle with throughout their whole life. This is why this whole thing about this virus, when it's all said and done, you know, to say the least, it's about fear. What I call this is the greatest, the greater virus I wrote this. I simply called it the Greater Virus. The Greater Virus being fear rather than Corona. But the thing is that He might set us free from the fear of death. Now He did that, and after all these years, I've finally come to—you know—I've taught it, I believed it, and then I believed it, but now I believe it. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It's like—it's just so alive to me. There's no more fear. In death. So anyhow, all of this takes place by that. But anyhow, if you could go ahead and put up the article, I'm just going to read it here, if you would. And this is what I wrote. I was. Um, let me say, I'm not saying this get patted on the back. I could not believe how many, uh, well, whatever comments, shares. The last I looked, there's something like, you know, 55 organizations and shared it. I didn't, whatever. But anyhow, this is what I wrote. I have now heard that some churches are closing until Easter due to the coronavirus. I cannot in good conscience do this, as to me, it's like aligning with the enemy. Now, again, there's no condemnation to anybody, but to me, it's like a shout of unbelief to say, we're not going to hold church services. Now, please hear me. Like I'll say down here in a moment, I believe in all the precautions. We're taking precautions here. You know, we're definitely making sure that anybody that deals with their children or youth, I mean, we're just using common sense and doing what you should do, and I'm 100% behind that, so don't anybody think otherwise from that. But I refuse to give in to the insanity now, giant churches like Joe Lowsteen, you know, I understand what they're stopping because literally the government more or less said anything over 500 or 1,000. And, of course, they've got 32,000 people. So I can understand as it were, So please don't think I'm condemning any of those churches. I'm not condemning anywhere. But so many churches here I saw were closing services. And I just, it. I wasn't judging. I'm not judging, but it just grieved me so much because of the little bit of knowledge that I have about who Christ is. So let me just keep reading. I cannot in good conscience do this, as to me it's like aligning with the enemy. By far, the greater virus is fear. One thing we should all know for sure by now is that faith comes by hearing, and fear comes by hearing as well. They both attract. As the world is being inundated by statistics of the coronavirus through all forms of media— our enemy is being filled with joy as one of his greatest tactics is flowing almost totally unhindered. Satan rejoices when we allow his strategies to speak louder to us than our Father's promises. Of course, it's fine to take precautions, but it's not okay to be so overoccupied with the topic that you find your mind and thoughts consistently being more aware of the virus than you are of the promise. Now, why I wrote that is because, you know, I turn on the news uh, and watch the news once in a while, but you know, as I said, and I'm sure you experienced, it got to the point where, you know, you, it, it's just constant, 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 constant about it. And I'll make a comment about a perspective in a moment regarding that. But even myself, you know, I, I kind of, you know, God's really worked a miracle to me in the last few years as far as really being able, I'm actually able to control my thought life. After all these years, I finally cracked it. And that's not a boast. It's a miracle. But it's one of the most glorious miracles I've ever experienced. I really just recognized this thought is either from the devil. I mean, if it's not from heaven or if it's not just something I need to do, I just, I've learned how to just, I just reject it. It's like I've got a default thing. Nope, I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to think it. I'm not even going to speak it. And I've learned to speak the opposite. Speak something that God would say. Speak kindness, speak goodness, whatever But as I watch this stuff, all this, everything, watch out for this, watch out for this, watch out for that, watch out for this, watch out for that. You know, I'd turn it off and I'd go back to my book, go back to the, you know, to the the Bible. And I'd read and I'd watch, we'd watch some Christian services on TV, watch some YouTube videos of some of our ministries that we really feed from. But still I'd find myself suddenly out of nowhere the thoughts would just come about this stuff. People buying masks and everywhere you go and I'd look out at people. And what I'm just trying to say is the the thought just keep coming through. The virus, the virus, the virus. And normally it's only those ancient people over 70. And see, I hardly, we don't know anybody over 70, do we, Julie? No, we don't know anybody over 70. But, you know, it's just they, they talk about all this. Anyway, I'm just saying and it really hit me. Oh, my God. You know, even though I am somewhat, by God's grace, you know, I'm aware of how to live and I'm aware of what to reject. Yet this stuff just kept swimming through. And I thought, my gosh, I just wonder, no wonder. People out there, I mean, this is the topic of the moment. It's the topic of the minute, the second. The, it's the topic. Everybody this, uh, you know, I think Julie was speaking to her older sister rang yesterday or something like that. And she, one of the first things she said to Julie, well, are you ready to be challenged? You know, about the virus. And Julie said, I'm not challenged by anything. <laughs> anyway, it made me laugh. But the point is, it's just on everybody's head. So what I'm trying to say is, let me read this again. It's just, I said, it's it's not okay to be so over occupied with the topic that you find your mind and thoughts consistently being more aware of the virus than you are of the promise. Of course these are just very familiar, but I said my Bible still says He's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. You still that's still in the book, right? Right? Of course, Psalm ninety one promises <clears throat> if our love is set upon him that no plague shall come nigh our dwelling. Thank God, all manner of people are going with Psalm ninety-one, and they need to. I said, but my favorite still remains Exodus twelve, where he tells us that when I see the blood, I will not allow the destroyer to come into your house. Hallelujah! I mean that has that's profound. Not that just I mean it's one of the cardinal, foundational. I mean that's our Christianity. Everything about our Christianity is based upon the blood of Jesus Christ. So then I wrote I said do you see the work of the blood or do you see the print on newspapers as a larger font size allowing it to be bigger are we letting the voice of the new cat newscaster to speak louder to us than the voice of our father? Simple question with a profound outcome. Remember your basic training. Fear attracts attack. This is validated even in the science of psychology. You attract what you meditate upon. Remember, I've said it many times here in ministry. You actually become what you believe. Right now, you're becoming what you actually believe, what you constantly give your thought life to. My suggestion to us in the family of God is that we do some personal inspection of what we're allowing to flow through our minds, And strongly consider staying with what our loving creator and father has spoken and promised more than what is being constantly offered up by the newcasters with their statistics and prophecies. Remember, Satan works through intimidation and causes us to do what the enemy wants through fear. That's how he works. He's always worked through fear. However, intimidation only works until it encounters someone who is intimate with God. I said intimidation by the devil only works until it encounters somebody who knows God. Because when you actually know him, you know that Jesus said no weapon formed against you. I mean, yes, I know the prophet Isaiah, but you know, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. When he said, I've given you authority over all the power of the devil. Nothing shall by any means harm you. Nothing, nothing, nothing means nothing in my book. I looked it up, I found out nothing means nothing. So it just, it just comes to the time when you watch, when you listen to people speak, we know by virtue of what God's word said, what Jesus our Father, our Lord said. He said, You know, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And we know that. God works with words. It's, everything's built on a word system. Remember I said a couple of weeks ago that, you know, we need to fill our mouths with words that ang- angels can work with. We really need to catch that. Angels work with words. And if the good angels work with our words when they align with God's word, guess what kind of spirits work with words that don't align with God? but spirit's work with words because God set that up it's a spiritual principle that is eternal so when you when you you actually begin to you hear people speak and it's, again it's not being judgmental i thank god that we can finally mature to the place that again you don't you don't ever ju- you learn that you don't judge people but remember jesus said he wants you to learn how to judge righteously He said, I want you to judge righteously. What that means is be able to weigh what has right standing with God and what doesn't. And so when you hear people speak, you immediately locate. And it's, like I said, it's not condemning, but it's just the truth. You locate where they are. And, you know, I'm not the ancient of days, but I've been around quite a while. And it's just that it really hurts my spirit When I see people who have been, quote, unquote, in church for so many years, but the moment they open their mouth, they're actually, actually decreeing their lack of trust in him. In other words, if you actually trusted him, you simply wouldn't speak like you're speaking. I had to, you know, God caught me in this years ago and really began to discipline me to this. You know, is this, is, you know, he taught me to listen to what I say before I say it, to do my best. I still make mistakes, to say the least. You can ask my wife. Actually, please don't ask her. But you know what I mean. To say the least, I haven't arrived yet. But I know that I know that I know that I know that My words bring forth consequences. And I'm just saying, we as the body of Christ, I I think it's time, if if the Lord said this to me last night when I was praying, he said, I want you to understand I've called you to be different. You are called to be different. You're not to bow down to what other people bow down to. He said, remember, and I've shared many signs with you, actually the root word, the root the root the root in the Hebrew and the Aramaic of the word holy is different. It means different. That's why for eternity angels and the four and twenty elders, when they're saying holy, 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 one of the things they're actually doing is going different, 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 because for all eternity we're going to be seeing another facet of his incredible goodness. I mean, incredible. It's like when I used to walk through the mountains, my great love. You know, I'd come to one little peak, and I'd see this incredible view, and I'd go, oh, my God, what a view. Then I'd walk another 100 yards, and I'd come to the side, and there'd be a meadow with deer and and I'd go, oh, my God, what a view. Then i go a little bit further, and I remember coming up on this beautiful little stream, and again, more little deer were around it and what have you, just walking through the water, little fawns. There were these three fawns in the, in the stream, and I went, oh, my God, what a picture And that's what it seems to me it's going to be like when we get there. Holy, we're just going. That's such. Oh my God, look at that. Oh, oh, and look at. Oh, oh. I mean, we're going to do that through eternity. We're going to be seeing another facet of the glory and the beauty of our Father. I got to tell you something. I'm a happy camper that I'm going to heaven. I'm telling you, I am blessed, 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 knowing that I have that eternal home. So Satan's job, of course, we all know it. I'm not telling you anything new, but like I said, I just felt I had to speak a little bit to this, and I want to show you some scriptures again back in Exodus to really hopefully definitively show you again and build your faith a bit about what this is all about. We really aren't supposed to be moved by all this. And if we actually find ourselves cowering to it, giving in to it, even allowing this fear to clothe us a little bit, I'm just saying we need to do some personal inspection and ask yourself, okay, how deep is this trust we say we have in him? How deep is this faith that we declare on Sundays? And again, it's not to condemn. Like I said, it's just to do some inspection. Remember like the day of our visitation when they said, when Jesus said about that, you know, they missed the day of their visitation. The word of visitation is literally the word inspection. The Holy Spirit comes and he'll inspect the people of God in the midst of what's going around in the world. And that's what's happening right now. The Holy Spirit is inspecting the body of Christ. But the other thing God kept telling me about when he's talking about we're different, you're called to be different. You don't fit in. We're not supposed to fit. We're simply not supposed to fit with everybody else. We're different. But he said, it's time, it's time. When are my people, my people who are called by my name, when will they actually stand up and understand I'm called to be different. I'm not going to bow down to what other people bow down to. I will not bow down to this fear. And I kept hearing him say this, if not now, then when? Seriously, if we don't stand up now, then when will we stand up? And of course, I can't speak for any other church, any other group, any other whatever, but I'm saying even for us as a little family here, like they said, when is it going to be a better time to stand up and say, I actually am going to trust God? I refuse fear. Remember the Bible says clearly to the prophets, fear will surely come, but not by me. Remember that? Do you remember that? Fear will come. So the issue is not whether or not fear comes. The issue is whether or not you allow it to linger. You hear me? You simply reject it. And again, all of the wonderful, simple truths that we've studied for years, they, they begin to mean so much more. We all know 1 John, perfect love casts out fear. can bring you to a place where dread doesn't even exist. And that again it's just so profound the more you the more you actually believe how much he loves us how he simply does not look at our transgressions right now i mean it's mind blowing every religious spirit goes nuts the moment you even come close to that truth but he no longer looks at us through our transgressions no longer looks at us even through our sin he looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, it's he's he's good to the ungodly. It's a, he's good to the ungodly. So to actually believe that—that's what again expels the fear. I'm, I'm, I'm just—I'm not, not afraid. I'm just not afraid. Anyhow, let me finish this and go to scripture. The last paragraph I wrote was simply again, remember Satan works through intimidation and causes us to do what the enemy wants through fear. However, intimidation only works until it encounters someone who is intimate with God. A speaker named Stella Payton said, quote, intimacy imparts true identity. When you know who you are, You're no longer affected by intimidation. Remember, David had no fear of Goliath because of his intimacy with God. His fearlessness canceled the power of intimidation. Now, think of that little simple statement it's not that intimidation won't try to come. But when you know in whom you have believed, you can actually put that beautiful hand of yours up, knowing that God's hand is in your hand, and you can simply say, no, not me. I refuse it. I mean, I refuse it. I refuse the fear of this thing. I refuse it. Remember also that intimacy inspires us to do what the father desires through love. So I simply put, I choose his love. And that's all I wrote. But all these people, whatever, whenever. Now I've got on the last slide, I just wanted you to read this. For the coronavirus, since the breakout in Wuhan, China months ago, there are, this was as of last night, there are 132,536 confirmed cases worldwide. With the swine flu, There were up to 575,000 deaths worldwide associated with the disease over the course of the entire pandemic. Now, that pandemic lasted from July of 2009 to August of 2010, so 10 years ago. Months into the coronavirus, there had been 4,947 deaths worldwide. In the United States, there were 61 million cases 61 million cases of confirmed swine flu and 12,000 people died in the US but this is the reason I'm reading this most people do you remember if you're old enough, do you remember any go back if you can go back 10 years ago when all that was happening around the world do you remember any mass panic really think about this, because this is why I'm trying to get to why we need to see what's happening now and how things have amped up. You can't remember any mass panic there. Do you even remember it? Most people don't even have any, they don't even have any recall about the swine flu pandemic, though, like I said, all these hundreds of thousands of people. There were no closures. There's No closures of sports, events, no closures of churches, no closures of restaurants, no theaters and this I still don 't get this. No people went on a rampage buying toilet rolls. I honest to god i 'm still I was talking to a friend yesterday in the states i i don 't know whether i don 't I don't understand how that 's logically connected to this virus. What does having fourteen tons of toilet paper? What is? I don't understand. I, re, I mean, I really don't. Maybe I'm just thick. But what? I mean, all these pictures of Costco and these big old massive stores. You know, you know, literally they're buying. You know, there's every single major store. My daughter went to Costco to get some stuff for my two grandsons uh, three days ago, and she took a picture. There's this line outside of Costco. Outside Costco's a huge. Well, you know, they got a couple of Costco's here. But there's a line outside, outside of Costco, going all the way around the car park, and people coming out cart after cart after cart, over piled of toilet paper. I mean they're piled of toilet paper. I mean, toilet paper. A lot of them had water and the other hand sanitizer, but toilet paper. So help me. I just don't get it. Is that a lane in thing, Kevin? I just don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> But anyhow, I mean, that's so weird. But back again, 10 years ago, there was no mass panic. There was no closure. There was none of that. Um, and I said, so what's different? Why 10 years ago, we have this massing thing, massive thing with hundreds of thousands of more people impacted. I, 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 just, I really want you to try to catch this. You look at the world, you look at it. I mean, it was a horrific pandemic, like I said. It, but why Why in 10 years, this thing's happening? Now, let me remind you, Jesus indeed did say in Matthew that towards the end of time, there's going to be all kinds of plagues and pestilences. So let me give you some deep revelation. When this one is done, another one's going to come. Do you hear me? No, seriously, do you actually hear me? This is not going to when this one stops, this is not going to be the end. See, God pre warns us on purpose. He wants us to be a prepared people. Holy Spirit will show us things to come, right? Well, at some point we are supposed to stand up and actually believe that, and maybe even release faith for it. Holy Spirit, show me things to come. You need to be prepared in the spirit before you're prepared in the natural. I said, you need to be prepared in spirit in your heart. It's not about running out as quick as you can and buying 35 packs of loo paper. It's about running back to the word and just seeing if any of this has changed. And I've got other revelations for you. Unless you've got a really weird Bible, it won't change. God's word has been true for thousands of years. It's been healing people for thousands of years. It's been delivering people for thousands of years. It's been overwhelming, massive enemies where odds looked like the enemy would win every single time. But see, God just smiles at that stuff. We're somehow, I mean, please hear me. We're supposed to have a same attitude. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ. Do you think Jesus Christ shuddered in panic in front of any demon? Think about that. He didn't shudder in front of anything. Was he intimidated by anything? He wasn't. Well, see, we call ourselves born again. That means Jesus has come to you, invited him to come and live in you. Well, the one who will never be intimidated is on the inside of you. So to me, it's just simple math. If you listen to him, you won't be intimidated by anything, anything anything hallelujah so why is it so different well there's only one reason and that's i just wrote down the persuasive and the systematic negative 24 hours news media i'm just saying it is isn't it i mean th- I, I know that's obvious but i felt like i needed to say it in here it's just the major thing that's different now is the constant consistent bombarding and faith comes by hearing hearing Remember, I've said it so many times, it's a deeply spiritual, it's a spiritual tool, it's a spiritual law. Even physical science, medical doctors, medical science will tell you that hearing is the last physical sense to leave a body as it dies. It's the last one. It's deeply sensed. So again, I'm just saying you can't keep listening to that stuff and quite frankly not have it affect you. That's why no matter what it is, you have to learn to turn that stuff off and don't. You know, I'm not going to keep listening to that report. Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you? Gonna, I'm going to trust God is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be afraid. Fear has always been Satan's major tactic, and I repeat it. I don't care if anybody gets upset or not. The moment you find yourself living in fear, you have basically given yourselves into the hands of, of the enemy. So that's no good. Now. <clears throat> Again, like I said, I just want to take us to some familiar stuff here. For years and years, one of my favorite teachings, and I'm sure I've taught it here before, is is what I call the Goshen Principle. You know, in Exodus, when God's, when Moses is, all the plagues are coming upon Egypt for the hardness of the heart of the Pharaoh and what have you. And remember in typology, remember, I know I'm repeating myself a lot here, but in typology, remember that Egypt represents the world, whereas Israel represents, as it were, the, the church. Pharaoh is a type and shadow of Satan. All of his warriors and army is a type of satanic emissaries, all that kind of stuff, right? And every single one of these plagues were actually something that came against one of the gods that Egypt believed in. When you studied, you find that all 10 plagues had to do with something that they revered as a god. And what God was doing is showing them the absolute fruitlessness of what they served and thought they got power from. But anyhow... I just, I just want to read it because, I, like I said, I've got these verses here. I just want to go through. I pray that they're familiar to all of you, but I just want you to look at them again and think about it because this, remember, I, I keep hesitating because I know this is so obvious to most of us that have been in church, but like I said, even this morning, seeing how many people are absent, it's like we need to be reminded. But even here, remember, this is Old Covenant. And remember, we're in what? We're in a better covenant. Better. Everybody say better. Better. Better, 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 better. Better covenant based upon better promises. Well, as all this is going on from Exodus, I'll start in Exodus 8. Um, Certainly, Exodus 8, verse 20. If you want to put them up, we'll go through these pretty quickly, and then I'm going to be done. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Exodus chapter 8 verse 20, then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh as he comes forth to the water and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of blood sucking gadflies upon you. I think that must have been really a righteous moment, don't you think? Oh, well, I can see you're thrilled by that. I'm going to (laughs) send... swarms of blood-sucking gadflies upon you, your servants and your people and your houses into the house of the, of the Egyptians. There shall be swarms of blood-sucking gadflies and also on the ground. But, verse 22 and 23 is where this is first said. Please read this. But on that day, what day? The day when this these plagues start to come. But on that day, I'm going to sever and I'm going to set apart The land of Goshen. Now remember, Goshen is a type of the kingdom. The kingdom of God. And he said, I'm going to sever and set apart the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms or gadflies shall be there, so that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Verse 23. And I'm going to put a division and a sign of deliverance between my people and your people. By tomorrow, the sign shall be in evidence. But I really want you to catch this when the plagues and really, and also this, any true student of the book knows that all of these plagues are incredibly strong prophetic statements of stuff that will happen in the very last days, the very last days, which were like I said, 2,000, 2,000, 2,000. We've come 6,000 years. We've, we're at the point where the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ is just about to happen. And it has to happen because of Bible truth. It just has to happen because of when you study the calendars, because of what it teaches. From you know, like you've heard me say, from Moses, from Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years. From Abraham to Christ, 2,000 years. From Christ till today, 2,000 years. And the Bible only teaches a 7,000-year economy or God dealing with man. So we're there. But He said, "I'm going to put a division." I'm going to intentionally, plagues are coming, and the people are where the plagues are, but I'm putting a division. I'm going to put a sign of deliverance between my people and your people. Hallelujah. Now, right next door, chapter 9, verse 4, verse 1, chapter 9, verse 1. I'm going to read these quickly. Then The Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh, tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. If you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall upon your livestock. And your livestock and all that stuff in those days was basically, you know, your merchandise, your, your money, where it come from. And he said, The hand of the Lord will fall upon your livestock, which are out in the field, upon the horses, donkeys, camels, herds, flocks. There shall be a very severe plague. But, verse 4 says what? Everybody say, But. <laughs> But the Lord shall make a distinction between the livestock of Israel, the church, and the livestock of Egypt, the world, and nothing shall die of all that belongs to the Israelites. I talked to a guy years ago who was in stocks and bonds a lot. And I, I remember he was going through trouble, and I, I really hit this. God's anointing came on this so strong as I shared with him. And I said, Jesus said he will teach you how to go in and out and find green pasture. And I said, if you'll learn how to listen and really give yourself to praying in the spirit of lot, I said, God will show you the moment to pull out in stocks and the moment to invest. And this guy, from that point on, by his testimony, he never lost another dime. And he is a multimillionaire today. But the point is, Nothing shall die of what belongs to the Israelites. Verse 5, And the Lord set a time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this at this time. Verse 6, And the Lord did that the next day, and all kinds of the livestock of Egypt died, but of the livestock of the Israelites not one died. Now remember, there's like two million people of the Israelites with their herds and right. Think, think about what we're really saying here. This is why when the psalm says, It shall not come nigh thee, only a spectator shall you be when the reward of the wicked happens, right? Does it say that or not? Does it say that? Anybody here still awake? My gosh. Give me a break, all right? Sheesh. Now, let me just keep going here. In chapter 9, same chapter, look at verse, um, well, 25. Well, I wish I could teach the whole thing. Anyway, actually, let me go back to verse 20. <laughs> Sorry, I keep looking. I want to go back to verse 18. Now I want to go back to 13. Now I want to, no. But he's now telling him again that the hail is going to come and destroy all the vegetation, everything, and anything that's left by the animals, he said it's going to kill them. And I love verse 20. It says, Then those who feared, verse 20 says, Then those who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh. In other words, there are going to be people, people, to be people in the world that are going to hear you, servants of God. Say what you're called to say about the truth of God, and they're going to get saved. They're going to be free from stuff because of your faith. Then he who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and livestock flee into the houses and the shelters. And he who ignored the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. The Lord said to Moses, Stretch forth your hand toward the heavens, that there may be hail in the land of Egypt, upon man and beast, upon all the vegetation of the field, throughout the land of Egypt." Did Moses stretched forth his rod toward the heavens, and the Lord sent thunder, hail, fire, lightning, ran down to and along the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the weighty hell, such as had not been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. Verse 25, the hail struck down throughout all the land of Egypt. Everything that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail beat down all the vegetation of the field and shattered every tree of the field. Verse 26, only in the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were, was there no hail. Right? Because God said, listen, the stuff's coming. Believe me, the plagues are coming. Hell is going to break loose on earth. But I called you to be a different people. I see you different. But your problem is you don't see you different. You're aligning with the world. You're out there with them. You're thinking what they're thinking. You're saying what they're saying. And that's why the canopy of protection gets moved off of God's people. But see, what I'm trying to drive a stake into the ground about this morning is just this truth. You must go back and see. God always makes a way to protect his people When hell breaks loose on earth Because you're not intended You're already born again You've got eternal life You're saved He does not want you to be destroyed In the midst of the people I always remember I don't know if you know Who Tommy Barnett is back And he's one of Assembly God pastors For many, many years In Phoenix, Arizona I don't know if I've got time to tell this story, but I mean, he, a uh, church of like 27,000, incredible leader in the body of Christ. My mentor, Dr. Ed Cole, you know, who I worked for all those years. You know, he was a very close friend of Tommy's, and uh, they told the story at this meeting. We sit there about this old farmer. Tommy had been teaching strongly on tithing and the importance and the power of tithing. And how God said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. It's I will rebuke. You do you faithful here, I'll be prove me, I'll rebuke the devourer. And he said, and then all these big storms are coming through Phoenix and the surrounding area. And this old farmer came, and I mean hailstones, all kinds of stuff was happening, big, big hailstones, thunderstorms, everything. And he said, one day in his office, and this is a big church, but he said this, he heard all this noise outside in, in his secretary's office, and this big old boy, he said, he's like weighed 260 pounds, about six foot eight, big dude, farmer come in, he said, bless God, pastor, come with me right now. Come with me right now. Bless God, come with me. And he said, well, what, what's going on? He said, bless God, you taught us. You said that if we tithe, that nothing would happen, that the devil would be rebuked. And he said, My cotton fields, he had a, something like 2,000 acres of cotton. He said, My cotton fields are out there in the hills about, it's it's coming, we know it's coming, it's torn off all my cousin's property down some other city a couple of hours away, and it's coming this way, and bless God, and he said, he took out his checkbook, Tommy said, he took out a checkbook, and waved in front of him and said, look at these, you see these stubs? I pay my tithes, I pay my tithe. You see them? He said, you're coming with me right now. I, you said this works, you're coming with me, get in my truck, we're going to my fields, and you're gonna pray. And Tommy said, this guy was so big. Tommy, oh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, and he said, kinda wishing he had his ushers and team with him. So the guide literally takes him by the arm, walks him out, puts him in his truck, drives an hour and a half outside of Phoenix to his farms, all this cotton is and what have you. He said, okay, Pastor, pray. And he, all these fields everywhere, in his, there was a farmer living next door, of course, they had all these cotton fields as well. And anyhow, and they're driving down this road, and this guy said, pray, Pastor, pray. And Tommy said, I figured I'd better pray, because <laughs> the guy was waving his checkbook. Pray, Pastor, I'm a t-. And he said, so I started praying. I said, Father, thank you. You said you'd rebuke the devourer for his sake. He is a tither. You... you. Hallelujah. And he said, we prayed. It took us about an hour to drive around the fields a few times. And he said, then he took me back. and said, thank you, Pastor. See you later. Just left. We thought, oh, my God, <laughs> what a trip. Anyhow, one week later, these major storms hit. And the guy came again and said, Pastor, Pastor, come with me. Come with me. And he took him out. And I'm really shortening the story. He took him out and drove in place. And every field, every adjoining field, all adjoining acreage, all the cotton was tore up, smashed, totally destroyed, except his fields. His fields were literally in the middle of all the devastation. Not one cotton plant was destroyed. And he said, I thank you, Pastor. He said, bless God, you were telling the truth, weren't you? And Tommy, he said, I want, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but, but see, it's a wonderful story, isn't it? But the thing is, see, somebody has to believe it. Somebody has to be aggressive enough to say, if not now, when? I'm different. I'm called to be different. I'm not subject to what they're subject to because I'm not of that tribe. Do you hear me? Okay, just a couple more. Like I said in Exodus 10, verse 21 through 23. This is an incredible one to me. And the Lord said to Moses, Exodus 10, verse 21. I'll wait till you get it up there for him. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the heavens, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness which may be felt. We happened to turn on, I think I told you last week, a television or about. We started watching all these videos of these people who'd had heaven experiences and out-of-body experiences. And some of them had said, you know, that they experienced hell for a moment. And every single one of them, every one of them, spoke about a darkness that was so dark, it was so dark, it was so dark that it produced a fear that couldn't be described. It was so dark. And we know that, you know, towards the end, I mean, it's written in the book of Revelation, darkness, well, even in Isaiah, I mean, darkness is going to cover the face of the earth. But the glory of the Lord is supposed to rise upon us, right? But darkness is going to cover the face of the earth. No amount of intercession is going to stop it because the Holy Ghost said it's coming. But here he says, a darkness which may be felt. Verse 22, so Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky for three days. A thick darkness was over all the land of Egypt. But verse 23, the Egyptians could not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But check. But to the, all the Israelites had natural light in their dwelling. And that's a trip. So you can just read that and skim over it. But you need to think on that. There's abject darkness. I always tell the story when my mom and dad took me to Carlsbad Caverns. And you go 968 feet beneath the earth. And then these rangers down there, they turn off all the lights. Because they want you to experience absolute, total darkness. And it is freaky. Because, I mean, I don't care. You know how you, you try to strain. You, you try to strain. But, I mean, there's nothing. And it's such a trip. Because I remember this. the biggest cavern in Carlsbad is this huge thing. This one cavern's like a mile across. And the guy radios. This always impressed me. The guy radios a ranger on the other side of the cavern. He has the guy light one match. One match. And this massive... Cavern. I mean, it's a mile across. It's like 175 feet above where the seeding, all the stalactites, stalagmites. And one match lights the whole place. The power of light. Light dispels darkness. I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Coronavirus is darkness. You're light. Guess what light does to darkness? Let me give you another example. I wasn't going to teach this, but let me give you another one. Just how many of you remember the whole thing about the Ark of the Covenant? Like when David first went to put it out, and we all know how Uzzah put his hand out and he was killed. He was struck dead instantly, right? You know, because think of, see, God's presence. It was this physical, actually token of God's presence. But think about this, in in God's economy, in God's strategy, in God's wisdom, what you saw there was nothing unclean. No matter if the person thought they were right with God, good Christian, made no difference in those days because they weren't spirit clean. Nothing, no sin, no sickness, no death. Nothing could touch the ark and live. Is that right? Is that right? It is right. Go study it for yourself really read, read just some of the stuff and just see. read, just read but see, have you ever actually thought about the power of what it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 2 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 6 we all know the verses, know you're not that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and that God lives in you, Gee, people today in the body don't really get it yet you, you Today, are the ark of the covenant. God's truth is engraved upon the fleshly tablets of your heart. In God's eyes, the way it should be is the moment sickness or disease tries to come close to you, it flipping dies. A lot of people posted about John G. Lake. I'm sure you've heard of that, but if you've ever read his stories, stuff like that, remember when the bubonic plague was happening? And all these doctors, when, when Lake was going in and out in Africa with this plague and dealing with the plague, all these people said, use precautions, use precautions. You need to use precautions. That's, we don't want you to you'll die. And Lake wasn't boastful. Anybody who studied John G., he was the most, one of the most humble men that walked the earth. He said, no, 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 no. He said, he said the plague is afraid of me. And they said, what? You know, they thought he was crazy. The plague is afraid of me. And they did this thing where they had the old microscopes in those times. They weren't like they were today. Long story short, a little slide had some of the the virus, the plague stuff on the the bodies of the plague and all that. And they actually, this one guy did it. He got on his hand. Basically, long story short, you read it for yourself. The plague got on his hands. The stuff was on his hands. The moment the stuff touched his hands, the stuff died. The plague died on John G. Lake's hands. Because what John G. Lake carried was more powerful than what the plague carried. Now I'm going to say it again. We're called to be different. I don't want us to be so prone to fear. We need to stand up. And I keep hearing that phrase the Lord said, if not now, when? I just think it's, I just, I can't bow down. I won't bow down. I'm not a super spirit. I'm not, you know, the Superman in in the body of Christ. I'm none of that. But at some point, some, somebody, the body of Christ is going to have to stand up and say, I'm not like that. I'm sorry, God's called me to be different. There's a distinction between me and them. It's because of who I've read and who I've believed and who I've listened to. And I trust him. Hallelujah. Well, I can see you're all thrilled by this. But think about it. They had natural light. All this object and they had natural light in the dwellings. Exodus 11, right next door. I only got two more. Exodus 11. And uh, <laughs> verse 6 this is when it says, All the firstborn in the land of the pride, the hope, the joy of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the maid servant who is behind the handmill, all the firstborn of beasts. There shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as has never been or ever shall be again. Verse 7. Verse 7, but against any of the Israelites shall not so much as a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and Israel. I, I so want you to catch this. He has made a distinction between you and what's happening in the world. But will you make the distinction? You hear me? Will you make the distinction? And then the final one, of course, is Exodus 12, where I've already said in the beginning of that little thing I wrote. But what do you do with this? Exodus 12, verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go forth, select, and take a lamb. Hallelujah for the lamb. According to your families, kill to pass over the lamb. Does Corinthians say Jesus Christ our Passover? That's what it says. Jesus Christ our Passover is crucified for us. This all works together. And you shall verse 22, and you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood in the basin, touch the lintel above the door, the two side posts with the blood, and none of you shall go out of his house until morning. Verse 23. For the Lord will pass through to slay the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door, pass over, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come in to your houses to slay you. You shall observe this right, for an ordinance to you and to your sons forever. That's why every first Sunday of the month when we receive communion here, you know, that is for Christians Passover. That's what we're celebrating. But hear it like you've never heard it before. You're saying by drinking that, by eating that bit of cracker and drinking that little thing that represents the blood of Christ, the destroyer has to pass over me. Can't come nigh me. Won't come nigh me. Actually, he's afraid of me. Unless he can get you to buy in to the fear. And I finish with this. Remember when Jesus said, the wicked one or the evil one comes, but he finds nothing in me to attach himself to. Remember that? You guys still here? Come on, I'm I'm basically done. You can go have your cheeseburger. It's cool, it's cool. But But do you really catch that, what he was saying? There's nothing in me that Satan can catch a hold on. We know that Paul said, give no place. Don't give a place, you know, through anger, animosity, all that kind of stuff. So anyhow, I just felt like I needed to share this this morning. We are called to be different that's all I, that's all I want you to walk out of. but I want you to meditate on this a bit. I don't want you to just go away say, "Oh well whatever that was the trip you're different you're, you you're not you're supposed to stand out you're supposed to look different, but you won't look different if you're hiding in your house now again, it's personal preference to some. But like I said, I can't help it. This is, some, this is my conviction. I cannot put my... I don't want to put my convictions on anybody. But at the same time, as, a, as the pastor, it's my job to instruct you in the way of the Lord and in how he sees things and what he wants for you and me. And he wants us to stand out. There's so many other teachings, so many other scriptures, so many other places that we could go to. I'm different. You're different. I don't care what the world's quit. Allowing that voice to speak louder than his voice. That's all I'm saying. We've said it a thousand times in this church. Don't let that stuff. Watch Jesus said in Mark 4.24. He said, be careful what you hear, didn't he? I mean, he literally said there, put up Mark 24 if you would. And they amplified it's one of the old time best scriptures and, and you teach it on faith mark 4:24 john that's in the new testament john come on john that's in the new testament i got to help john back there he's from pretoria he needs help glory to god thank you lord come on there you thank you john and he said to them be careful now he meant that if jesus said that he kind of means it i just kind of learned that if he says stuff i should listen to it be careful what you're hearing The measure. See, this is how much? Spoonful, truckful. The measure. This is the positive side. The measure of the thought. Thought. How big is the measure that you're using to think about God's goodness as, as compared to the the weight of the measure of your thinking towards the virus. You hear, you hear where we're going? Be careful what you're hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth, you hear, will be the measure of virtue and knowledge. It actually speaks to the anointing when you study it. Will be the measure of the virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear But surely, again, you know this is a spiritual life principle. You cannot give your ear constantly to the newscasters right now and not be affected. And that's all I'm asking you to do. Just read the book for yourself, see what it says, and just say, no, that's not me. That's not me. It's not me. It's not going to happen to my grandpa or my grandma. It's not going to happen to my mom and my dad. I mean, if you're younger, you know what I mean? It's just not. Because I said no. Because I believe this. I believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If there was a deliverance, if there was a distinction set between the people of the world and the people of God back then, and we're under a better covenant now, you're going to tell me there's there's not supposed to be a distinction today? Well, I choose to believe that there is. I'm born from above, and so are you. So let's give God some glory in our lives. Help people throughout these next few weeks, whatever's going on. But really wean yourself from listening too much to that junk. Wean yourself from being too moved by the newspapers. And stop your mouth. Put a block on your lips if you find yourself prone to speaking out what is in in actuality a lack of faith, a lack of trust in God. Trust God. He remains, he abides We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.